Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. And today's topic, best, or uh, Royal Rumble's moments, or, uh, 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 Mr. Austin, what seems to be the problem here, Jackass? I, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to announce to the episode. Uh, D- uh, Dave introduces it as Royal Rumble matches and moments. Just advertises it as Royal Rumble best matches and moments. Uh, I really don't know what to do. God damn it. Leave it to Dave to just fuck everything up here. All right. Uh, I gotta make a little executive decision here. Uh, well, I guess since... The advertisement does show best moments and matches, which uh, usually we do greatest moments and matches. I I, I, I I don't know why they're, they're switching it up here, making it confusing for old Stoke Coat Steve Austin to make an executive decision here. But you know what? Just go with how Jess advertised it, you jackass. Certainly, Mr. Austin. <clears throat> the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. And today's topic, the Royal Rumble Best moments and matches. Good stuff, kid. Next time, can we all keep it on the same page, you bunch of jackasses? Dave, along with Jess. Hello. And no cuz this week, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, Royal Rumble matches and moments. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at our wrestling channel, or just do the easy thing. Download WrestlePost. It's an app at no charge to you. And join us along with other great podcasts of the day. Jess, why are we talking about the Rumble, baby? Well, it's Royal Rumble season, and we did a past episode of the history of the Royal Rumble. So we're following that up with the best Royal Rumble matches and moments. Fantastic. I love it. You know, I, I personally... We, we talked about Survivor Series. This is in our archives, by the way. Tremendous stuff. One of my favorite types of pay-per-views. One of the longest pay-per-views next to WrestleMania. I think Royal Rumble, Jesse, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's the third longest running pay-per-view at this moment correct. for WWF. And uh, <clears throat> I know we're going to talk about the history. That's coming. No, you know, we, we, it's the fourth. I'm sorry. No. Oh, it's the fourth? Yep. Oh, Sum- SummerSlam, SummerSlam the was the third. Yep, SummerSlam oh, debuted in '88, and Royal Rumble debuted on pay per view in '89. They actually had an '88 Royal That's Rumble right. on USA, but for they had yeah. Royal Rumbles, but they weren't pay per view. Yes, yeah, yep. okay, that makes more sense. That does that. That kind of that tells the story, adds it up for me, you know. But what we're talking about today is, you know, I don't want to get too much into the history. We're going to talk about that. That'll also be in another podcast, but. You know, we wouldn't have a Royal Rumble scenario without the great Pat Patterson. And, 
the reason why the Royal Rumble is so important is there's a couple of reasons. You know, it's has to do with the the way the Royal Rumble is set up. We've had battle royals in the past, but the thing about battle royals is kind of a big clusterfuck. You got all 30 or 20 or even 15 people, whoever, in the ring, and they all start fighting at once. Like, who does that? It just doesn't make sense. The great thing about the Rumble is you start out with two guys, and every they say two minutes, but, you know, they kind of make their own. Sometimes it's a minute 30. It doesn't matter. There's a time set where another person comes in, and it totally changes the game of how that match is going to go. And at the end of the day, everybody gets thrown out of the ring, except for that last person. Whoever doesn't get thrown out over the top rope is your Royal Rumble champion, right? It's awesome. Um, And it was awesome even before we had the stipulations of today. But Jess, what what, what would it mean to you if you were a Royal Rumble champion back in, I don't know, the, the early 90s? No, Rumble was uh, it was a it was the, a big pay per view for sure, and like uh, before, we'll talk about it. You know, we talked about it a little bit at uh, in the history of the Royal Rumble episode um, about when it became part. You know, if you won the Royal Rumble, you got a shot at the world title. That was not the stipulation in the beginning. Before that, no, like we said before, um, it was just you get to brag that you won the Royal Rumble. That's it. I mean, it was kind of the king of the ring brag, right? Yeah, I'm the king of the ring. I'm a I'm a Royal Rumble winner. But we're also going to talk about not just the Royal Rumble matches itself, but they also had other matches before the Royal Rumble, because obviously they got to fill a three hour pay-per-view. So they would have other singles or tag matches leading up to the Royal Rumble just to whet your appetite before they actually start the Royal Rumble match itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, And there are some great moments and matches of Royal Rumble history that, you know, maybe don't even necessarily include include the Royal Rumble match itself, but some of them definitely do. Let's jump into one right now. You know, we have a match back in 2002. Uh, this was somebody's first match before actually WCW even, you know, folded. And uh, basically, you're kind of like, what do I do now? Right. And that's when WWE pretty much kind of took over the world. And you get into that, yeah, I guess that ruthless aggression era, right? But what we're talking about for this match in 2002 was Ric Flair versus Vince McMahon. And this, like I said, this was Rick's first match before, I'm sorry, you know, since WCW folded. Um, it was a street fight. It's quite phenomenal, Jessica. Take us through that. Why is that so important? Why is that such an amazing Royal Rumble moment? In history, it was. I mean, Vince. People could say what they want about how Vince wrestles, but Vince has never been known for being a wrestler. Since he became the character, Vince has always known how to be entertaining, and and this match was no exception because Flair came in at the very end of two thousand one. WCW had already been bought; they were bought way early in two thousand one, and uh, Flair kind of wrote out the rest of his WCW contract and then came aboard as like somebody who bought. Uh, the storyline was he bought a significant amount of shares in WWF. So therefore he owned part of it. So he was able to co-own the company with Vince. So they did this, you know, every week they would come out and of course Vince would want to see things one way and Flair would see things the other way. So they got, finally got to a head at Royal Rumble 2002 where they agreed to face each other in a street fight. So in real life, Flair was kind of destroyed. You know, the way WCW folded was not pretty. 
And the way Flair was treated for the last two or three years in WCW was also not very pretty. The one of, if not one of, if not the greatest wrestler of all time had a confidence issue. He was not confident in himself. He would have uh, bouts of depression. He would talk about in his book and he would just, you know, sometimes cry in the corner or he got this weird tick where he would just sit and pinch himself because he felt his arms were tingling. Like he just, it was a very weird, odd thing for him. Um, he just lost confidence. If you ever, if you ever wonder why Flair wrestled in a t-shirt in the finale of, you know, WCW's. He was not proud of his physique. Flair never had a good physique, but he really hated himself back here. So yeah. Cause, cause, cause Flair had a good physique, but not a great physique, not a ultimate warrior physique. Right. But, but Flair, Flair was, you know, Flair spent some time in the gym. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't anything to scoff at, but in his mind, he wasn't worthy of the ring in that last match. And that that's phenomenal considering where Flair's persona comes from and where his heel work comes from and, and who the character of Ric Flair is. So, so yeah, sorry, even in Flair's book, he, uh, you know, said when Vince approached him and said, hey, you and I are going to take on each other at Royal Rumble in the street fight this year. Flair's like, no. I mean, he was flat out, no. And Vince's like, what do you mean? No. And he was like, no, I'm not. I'm not flair anymore i'm not that guy i just i don't i don't have confidence in myself and and vince looked at him and i i'm paraphrasing i don't remember exactly what vince said or what flair wrote but vince was like you're rick flair like what are you talking about like and triple h would say that to flair too you're rick fucking flair you're my favorite wrestler of all time triple h saying this to flair yeah and uh and so the of course you you fucking have it like of course you know what you're gonna do so they went in there. They had a street fight. Both guys bled like pigs, which is Flair's MO. And Vince loves <laughs> doing that, too. But it was a really, yeah. it was a very, very good match. And go back and watch it. And it was, like I said, Royal Rumble 2002. This is a very, very good match. Both guys worked really well. Vince, you could say what you want about him. He was never a very good finesse wrestler. I don't think that was ever Vince's MO. But Vince knew timing and knew when to bring a crowd up and take them down and flair of course he could tell he could tell a story in there yeah and flair is the best ever at that game so um they had a really really good bloody match a very very entertaining match uh go back and watch it it's awesome both guys bladed like dave said and bled like pigs and it was awesome it was a very very good match I highly encourage you to check it out. And I think that's the kind of thing that, you know, we, we've read. And if, you, if you're a hardcore fan, you've read Flair's books, too. There's situations where Flair would have a fucking burn down match, you know, it, it, wherever it was, how show fucking TV doesn't matter. And he'd come back and he and he would and Triple H would be like, whoa, that was so great. You know, like, you know, you know, Triple H was all over it. Like, that was amazing. And Flair's like. You thought you thought it was good, like it, and and you know, almost like Trevor's like, dude, you're Ric Flair, like, like of course it was good. Yeah, Not he just had, he had good, no good. WCW just destroyed him. He had they no just, confidence. They destroyed yeah. him mentally. Yeah, and and that's a damn shame because. Gosh, WCW wouldn't even be around if not for Ric Flair. Because like you said, we've talked about it in the archives, but when the NWA kind of sold up to WCW and Ted Turner. The deal was it wasn't going to work without Flair. That wouldn't even they wouldn't even they would have gone under twenty years beforehand. Yeah, if Flair was not who Flair was, 
So at that time, I don't think Flair ever gave himself enough credit. I think he does now. I think Flair's pretty confident in himself now. But at that time, he was he was an old time low emotionally and mentally uh, on his on his ability, which is just I, I find that fascinating. Not in a good way. It it it's, it stifles me because we've seen Ric Flair at his highs, and to hear that is just I, I think it's a damn shame. But I think that's just a tribute to what WCW was. <laughs> you know, if you can't if you can't tell your top guy that he's the top guy, that'd be like Hogan going, "Yeah, brother, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can go out there and wrestle Macho um, at five. I don't, I, yeah, I can't do it. I don't have the confidence. Could you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? That's because I'm not saying like Flair was at that level, but Flair was always the top guy. And uh, to have that kind of conversation and of all people to Vince to bring him back and go, no, you're fucking Ric Flair. We're going to tear the house down. And they did. They absolutely did. Yeah. So uh, speaking of a moment that tears the house down, I was just a kid when this happened. This was back in, gosh, 1990. And there's a portion of where you can see uh, it's almost like an earthquake. There's a split in the axis. It's a it's lightning coming down and you got to be on one side of where the crack is. And and what I'm talking about is everybody was at one point was just a fan of Hogan. Hogan controlled the universe. Right. But all of a sudden there's a, there's just a, there's a split in the spectrum and there's this crazy some bitch coming out known as the warrior. And he starts making his way up. And then there's, there's these warrior fans. And then it kind of gets to that point where you're like, what would happen if they ever, if they ever got in each other's faces, because they're both faces, they're not supposed to fight each other. We get it. They're not heels in any way, shape or form. But you know what? There's this little ex- I, I like to call it an experiment. Jess, you can tell me if I'm wrong on it, but I, I really believe they wanted to see what would happen with the crowd if these two faced off. And it happened. This actually happened in a standoff in 1990. And uh, just explained it quite well off the year. I'll, I'll do my best. But basically, Warriors working on Rick Rude in a fantastic feud, by the way, to pull him over in the Royal Rumble to get Rick Rude over the top rope. But at the uh, at the just the perfect moment, Hogan comes in fresh. Well, I don't even know what number it is. Actually, before and, that, it, it, that was mm-hmm. the ending. This all happened. Both guys were going at it. They win. You didn't really know. Like Vince never liked face versus face. No, he didn't. So he hated it. And so mm-hmm. they kind of knew that Warrior and Hulk were on a path at the end of 89. And I think Pat Patterson and and Bruce Pritchard were the two that told Vince, like, no, this is gonna work. And Vince is like, no, it's not. And in the end, I'll tell you that they were both right. It, they, Vince was right, and so were the other two guys. But yeah, for different reasons. Um, well, there's the moment and there's the aftermath, right? Yeah. Well, there's the pay-per-view results. So yeah. it, it, you know, Patterson and, and Pritchard were like, no, this has to happen. Like, we don't have any viable opponents for Hulk at this point or Warrior. They ha- they're on a collision course. They have to do it. We have to do this. So, yeah, Royal Rumble was kind of the test. And what happened was both guys were in there. When both guys ended up being in the ring at the same time, the, the most, the, the biggest my imagination could ever have gotten was like, they're going to be in the ring together. It, it, I, it could have easily it's not happened. happened. It could have easily not happened because WWE was a land of face versus <clears throat> heels. And that's it. It never was anything else besides that. So you have you, you in your mind, when you saw them in the same ring and there was like four or five other guys in there, you're like, ah, 
one of those guys are going to get thrown out or whatever. Probably the warrior because Hulk came in later. And so Hulk's probably going to win. So, and Hulk was world champion and warrior was IC champion at this time. So yeah. when they started throwing people out, all of a sudden they split the ring in half and you saw Hulk toss someone out, warrior toss someone out, Hulk toss someone out, warrior toss someone out. And then they looked at each other and they were alone and the place fucking went nuts. And you realized, holy shit, this is actually happening right now. Hulk Hogan is in the ring with the ultimate warrior. And if you guys never lived through this time period, I'm sorry you didn't. That's all I can say. <laughs> no one can help when they're born. And a lot of great stuff happened during the attitude era. Don't get me wrong, but nobody can help when they're born. And when this happened, it was like time stopped. Whatever room you were in, if you had 50 people in your house or 10 or whatever, everyone shut the fuck up for a second. And people had to process Hulk and the warrior are staring at each other right now. And the match is still going on. It's still an active Royal rumble. These fucking guys have to go at it right now. And they did. And they did this cool shot where they kept running off the ropes and shoulder blocking each other and nobody moved. And then they bounced off the ropes. They crisscrossed and they double closed on each other. And then after they did that, uh, you know, a new entrant came down. I think Rude came down and they started hammering on the warrior. And then Barbarian came in, started hammering on Hulk. And then once the ring kind of filled up again, it was a point where, Rude was trying to throw the warrior over and Hulk came up behind and threw all of them out and warrior came in and got pissed off, but didn't attack Hulk and clotheslined everybody else in the ring except for Hulk and then ran out. And so people were left (laughs) with the question like, Oh shit. Like, was that it? Is that all we're going to get? Or are they going to go further? We all know they went further. They ended up facing each other. At the but we event. all know just that that was a pure test. Well, that yeah. And, 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 and people were talking after the event, what would happen? What would happen? What would happen? And then, of course, it ended up being the main event of WrestleMania six and the rest is history. But um, this moment there, there was a there's a lot of good Rus- Royal Rubble moments. There really is, truly. But um, this still might be. And, and people could argue on other moments, but this might still be the strongest and greatest moment I've ever seen. It was it was awesome. I think I, I could say without any kind of well, probably not too much argument without this moment, you wouldn't have other moments. And Tony like Schiavone, by the way, like a that. lot of people say what they want to say about Schiavone's short stint in the WWF as a commentator. Tony Schiavone's commentary on this and Ventura and Jesse Ventura, to be honest, but Tony Schiavone was amazing. We're going to play a clip. I'm sure at one point and Tony Schiavone was awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. Well, I think he, uh, he kind of got the short end of the stick. We've talked about that. I think quite a bit in the archives that Schiavone probably should have stuck around and, you know, JR is really good too. Well, they didn't resign him technically. I don't think. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I understand that, but I think I think uh, a lot of people um, uh, misjudge Shivani in so many ways, and even and, you could argue that Shivani is the Ric Flair of the announcing organization because we talk about how Flair loses all that confidence. Shivani lost all this confidence and thought that nobody cared, and just a few influxes of podcasts and some jokes on the internet 
People were like, Shivani, you were my guy. I loved you. I loved hearing yeah. you talk about these guys. He was, the, the, he was the voice of WCW during the whole Nitro era, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And he would not give himself credit for that. He's super underrated. He, Tony Schiavone's awesome. I oh love my him. Gosh. I love him. Yeah, he's fantastic. And I, and what's funny is that when he started his podcast, he's like, well, I've got nothing to offer. Well, bullshit. Because now he's got, he's got a job at the EW, and he's still doing baseball. Schiavone is one of those fantastic commentators no matter what sport you want to do it in he can do it and uh you know kudos to him and and i love hearing him i love i love hearing him joke around i'm i i want to feel like he's happier than he was maybe you know three years ago because of this i, I want to say refound fame it wasn't newfound fame it was always there he just didn't realize the potential of it and i say good for him you know that that's good stuff so anywho we're gonna move on to another match uh, let's take it all the way back. We're going back in some major time. We're going back to 1983. 93. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. 93. Ooh, I got to zoom in a little bit. Jess, do I need glasses yet? Is that? Is that I wear thing? glasses. I suggest you do. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jess. Why is why is 1993 Royal Rumble so important? It was the very first Royal Rumble where the winner of the Royal Rumble would receive a championship shot at the champion at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I mean, just let that sink in for a second. That's a big Every year, deal. that's a stipulation now, every year. It has not changed since 1993. It hasn't changed. And we love it because, God, I tell you, it's the easiest story. The Royal Rumble our, starts um, WrestleMania season. So basically, whoever wins the Rumble now, there's two champions. There's a Universal Champion and the whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it's still it's still exciting. Whoever wins the Rumble gets their choice now of what champion they want to go after. Yeah, and then Elimination Chamber gets the uh, spoils. Yeah, right? whatever's left. So here's the thing. Um, yeah, 1993, and I like to think this is spawned upon the fact that um. You know, Flair actually won the title by winning the Rumble, what, the year before, Jess? Yeah, the, right? yeah, the right, year right? before. So I think someone says, well, well, that was such a big hit, and it was so great, and it was a great moment. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Well, and yeah, we're not we're not going to talk about Royal Rumble 92, but a lot of people say that's the best Royal Rumble ever as well. Yeah, it's, match. and it's great, because Ric Flair's a fucking genius, and he's amazing. But what I will say is that I think that moment sparked this moment well since that's that was so great and we want a title out of it why don't we give this year we give the winner of the rumble a title shot and it's gone over so much that they have not changed it since but you know what's interesting about this particular rumble it's the very first one if you're gonna go total shoot on this who the fuck is gonna throw over a 400 plus maybe even 500 pound man over a third rope I think that's going to be pretty fucking difficult. And guess what? That's where that particular man comes into play. I think the heaviest, the heaviest man that I remember, there might have been heavier people, but no one with this kind of ability and this kind of um, talent. And we're talking about Yokozuna. Yokozuna actually wins the Royal Rumble in 1993. That's a big fucking deal.
because there's a lot of things that come down to WrestleMania after that. And what we say is probably the worst, if not the second worst. Well, and not history, only did he win the but, first Royal Rumble ever to grant the winner a championship match, yes. he went to WrestleMania that year and won the title. He won that title for um, what? I think like a minute, a minute and 30 seconds. Whatever. Mm. Chirac, drink up. I mean, it happened, right? Yep. Happened. I mean, you know, we're not gonna talk about it, but what happened? We know what happened. Everybody knows what fucking happened in Vegas, bro. Everybody knows, right? But the point is, Yokozuna won the Royal Rumble and immediately won a world title in April, and that changed the history of how pay per views work in WWF or WWE going forward. It's a big fucking deal. That's a big moment. It's not only a big match. It's a really big moment. It changed everything. Yep. No, I agree. I thought I lost you for a, a, a little. Right? And a side note: fucking Giant Gonzalez fucking debuted, and actually that was kind of a big deal. This Royal Rumble really wasn't booked differently per se than the ones before it, but Giant Gonzalez, who was known as El Gigante in WCW, debuted. He was not in the match, but Taker was. So a lot of people were like, Taker's going to win this match. Like, because everybody was like, well, Taker's got to win it. Even though Yokozuna was an entrant, he wasn't really established yet. He just debuted in like November of 92. So Yokozuna wasn't really like an established threat yet. He was, but he wasn't. (laughs) Um, You've seen fat people being thrown over the top rope before. No offense against saying that, but it's happened before. Or Andre's been eliminated. So, I mean, like, people were just like, oh, it can happen. <laughs> it can happen. Taker's got to win this match, you know? And then uh, uh, Taker was in the Royal Rumble. He fought for a bit. And then this big monster comes out, Giant Gonzalez, seven foot seven, legit, and uh, beats the shit out of the Undertaker, throws him over the top rope, which effectively eliminates him, and then throws him against the stairs and stuff on the outside, setting up their feud. And then the Royal Rumble continued on, and Yoko ends up winning. Yeah. Last eliminating uh, Macho Man. Proceeded to have one of the worst WrestleMania matches ever. No, they had a good WrestleMania match. It was one of the worst. Oh, oh, yeah. Don't don't even start me. I can't. I'll pass out if you talk about that. Yeah. But, yeah, to your point, Yoko and Brett, like I said, is we we actually archived that in our kind of forgotten WrestleMania moments. And the reason why it's forgotten is because of the ultimate um, Hogan painting Yokozuna inside of two minutes after the match. Because everybody remembers that. It's such a huge moment. But the the Bret Hart-Yokozuna match was fire. Well told. Great storyline. 
I mean, I, I talk about how hard the sharpshoot is in particular and Breck can stitch that on backwards and um, set that up. So, you know, he takes the powder and, and loses that match and um, gives Hogan that whole that whole run. You know, even at the end of the day, we all we all know that Yoko wins that back. And Yoko has a substantial title run going forward. And he's a big staple on on WWF, WWE going forward. You know, you'll never forget it. Yoko is a huge part of that history. Because of where he started, and that's the Royal Rumble. Huge moment. Speaking of another moment, Jess, I got to 2008. Why is it so important? Well, we're, we're going to move on really quick from this, mainly because I know we're going to play a clip here, and I'm going to let the clip speak for itself. Uh, bottom line is John Cena was out for a while with a pectoral injury. And uh, John Cena is known for being majorly healthy and being super like quick to recoup from injuries, like in double the time. If they say a normal person would be out for six months, he's out for three. Cena's always been known as that. He fucking takes the right supplements. He has the right diet, puts the right shit in his body, knows what workouts to do. Cena is a recovering fucking fanatic. Wrestlers get injured a lot. And Cena uh, has had some major surgeries, pectoral, neck surgery, knee surgery. The tricep. Tricep. He recovers in half the time. This one, he was out from a pec tear, a torus pectoral muscle. And uh, he was going to be out for a while and not supposed to make this Royal Rumble. So he was a surprise entrant in 2008. And I'm going to let the clip speak for itself because in an era where Cena got half booed and half cheered, he was gone for a while and they were in MSG Madison square garden. And wow. uh, that crowd's tough. This place went fucking nuts when Cena's music played in 2008. It's it's one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. And I'm going to let the clip tell about it and we'll move on quickly from this. But he not only comes out as a surprise entrant here and gets a massive fucking pop. He wins the Royal Rumble in 2008. Simply amazing, just fantastic stuff. I mean, you know, we all talk about Super Cena. We talk about the 50-50s, and we talk about how Cena's got to beat everyone. And, you know, we kind of shit on Cena a little bit, but Cena is one of those. I don't know. He's not not Rushmore. He's not top four, but he's right on the outside of it. He's right there. I mean, he's, he's amazing. So you, you can't doubt that talent. You can't doubt you can't doubt the ability. Um and, and by the way, just a stand up dude, right? Yeah. Nobody has more make a wish foundations than John Cena. I don't think anybody will come close to it. Yeah. In their lifetime, and go yeah, so. go back and either listen to our clip that we're gonna play, I'm sure, or go back to the network, Royal Rumble two thousand eight. It's amazing. Go watch it. There you go. Speaking of comebacks, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Royal Rumble 2001. We have Austin coming back. And this, the, we're brutal. talking about the whole match here. Yeah, the whole match is amazing. I mean, I'm not, not trying to deny it, but you have to understand Austin had a massive neck injury here. I mean, he was he was legitly hurt. There was, there was well, he never he took time off from when, when he got dropped on his head, unfortunately, in 97. He wanted to ride that yeah. wave. I mean, Austin got white hot and rode it and rode it and rode it. And finally, in 2000, he had to leave and get surgery on that neck because 
I mean, it was getting really bad. So he finally makes his return. He made his return before the Royal Rumble as far as like cutting promos and stuff. But And I think he fought Rikishi in some stupid feud or whatever. So he came back, you know, and wrestled a couple times. But this is the first major. Yeah, this is the first major match where they were putting him back into the mix of things um, to compete that year at WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. This is where. I mean, it's probably the closest thing to a Warrior Hogan stare down. This is where you get the Rock and Austin stare down, and I think I think just and they wrestled before, is, but you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? So when Austin being gone, Rock of course became kind of the guy, and so they actually had a stare down here, which kind of like Hulk and Warrior told you what was going to come later at WrestleMania. Austin would yeah you knew there was going to be a Mania match at this point yeah Austin would win this Royal Rumble um and get the shot at Mania which Rock would ultimately hold at the time um but yeah this was really really cool this is a great Royal Rumble And I think I think to your point, Jess, like the Rock obviously at this point was not the champion, but he became the champion by WrestleMania, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I love is because you know, even at this point, you'll hear, Oh, so and so will face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I'm like, Well, how do you know? That's fucking that's three months away. They might lose the title by then. Like, why do you say that? It's you know it's like preemptive, it's 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 a storyline. In this case, it's like, well, The Rock wasn't the champion, but guess what? By WrestleMania, he was, and that's who Stone Cold was going to face at WrestleMania. I, I dig that shit better. I think that's just better storyline, better told. They really thought about how they were going to push it through, and but but even then, you knew what was coming because it is the ultimate soap opera, and I think to your point, that is why this is one of the best booked Royal Rumbles ever. Right? A lot of people hold 1992 near and dear to their heart, but 2001, I would definitely understand if someone's like, I think that's better. 2001 might be the best booked one because they broke it down into segments. You had like the Rock and Austin stare off. You had Austin winning. You had a, at the time, the hardcore championship was a thing. You know, it was like a big deal. Yeah. And so they had a, a section of this match where a lot of the hardcore wrestlers were in the ring and they all fucking brought out kendo sticks and shit and so a portion of this royal rumble became a hardcore match where everyone was fucking using chairs and shit on each other and kendo sticks and it was really cool it it was one of the best put together rumbles from beginning to end for sure there's no way it's not just uh one of the best told stories out there of any of any royal rumble what's your favorite jess royal rumble yeah god i mean there's been a lot of good ones there really has um one that Ben Wawan was really good. Um, yeah. Man, Rock, I want to say the Rock one. Which one did the Rock win? Rock won one of them, too. I can't remember which one he won. Um, mm-hmm. Might have been 2000. I think it might have been. Um, no, McMahon yeah. won that one. McMahon won 2000. Um, I, I, yeah, I can't remember. I think Rock might have won 02. No, Triple H won 02. I don't remember. But they were, there was a lot of really good ones. Um, I would say, God, man. 2001 might be my favorite 
Second closest, 92. 92 is really good because um, Flair won and he lasted the whole time. And that was the first time that Royal Rumble ever was for the actual I think it's my bag. My bag is that Ric Flair moment. I think, I think I, 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 2001 is, is real hard to fight. It, 2001, but, but 92 is great as well. So it, I, I don't know. I'm tossed. But There's nothing cooler than coming in as that guy that no one thinks is going to do it. Oh, he's that, he's that fucking NWA guy. Nobody cares. And he fucking sneaks his way into that title. And it's fucking genius, you know? It was a good Royal Rumble. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And there's there's not too many Royal Rumbles you can think about if that's the only one where the winner actually wins. The maybe WWE maybe we'll cover 1992 on Best Moments and Matches Royal Rumble Part 2. I don't know. Or maybe even a Does It Hold Up? I don't know. Yep. Fuck. It could be all sorts of things. I think I think fucking Ric Flair's match and Royal Rumble doesn't hold up would be a great one. Uh, yeah, but that's gonna be like a nine hour episode because the match itself was over an hour. <sighs> I know it's tough. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll tell you. You know, but yeah, I mean, fantastic stuff. I mean, the Royal Rumble. Pat Patterson's a fucking genius. You know, I don't swing that way, but I give him a big fucking kiss. Well, he he swings that way. I know he does. So why not, Dave? Have a good time. You know what, man? Give you the gift. And as always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or just do the easy thing. Download WrestlePost. It's an app at no charge to you. And join us along with other great podcasts of the day. This is Dave and Jess and uh, fuck us um, with the OWP saying, have a good one. Bitch. Oh, sorry, 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 everybody. I hope Stoke Cove can help but notice throughout the Royal Rumble best moments and matches episode. Uh, did you hear how Dave pronounces Royal Rumble? Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. Oh, you little five-year-old, you little tyke. <laughs> Royal Rumble. That does it for this episode, everybody. Don't forget, our wrestling channel on YouTube. You can listen to all the episodes. Our wrestling podcast on SoundCloud. Follow us at OWP2019 on Instagram and at podcast underscore R on Twitter. Sorry, I couldn't remember that. Too confusing. See you later. Got guesses.